good, everybody? I'm Joe. This is your Daily Shot of Inspiration weekend interview series. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Happy Pisces season. It is Pisces season. I'm a Pisces, so we're going to celebrate. And in celebration, I invite everybody to think about the things that you're creating, that you're manifesting, that you're bringing into this reality. Maybe it's a new job, a new car, a new house, whatever it may be, a new partner, a new phone. I don't care. But we're about a day or two out of the new moon in Pisces, which is a very powerful time to set intentions for the things that you are manifesting. So why not all of us take some time, grab your journal, and write down in the form, in the space of gratitude, the things that you're manifesting. I'm so happy and thankful for my new car. I'm so happy and thankful for my new partner. And write about it. What would it feel like to have that new partner? I'm so happy and thankful that I found the love of my life and they're amazing. And we have open, clear communication. We have so much fun together. Write that stuff down as if it is already here. Feel into it as if it is already here. And then as we roll through the new moon into the new moon, keep yourself in the present moment and watch for the signs and the synchronicities that show up that help you start manifesting and connecting and creating your best reality. So we're getting right into it today, right into it with a homework assignment. And with that, I also want to say, you know, sometimes things happen. It is actually Sunday morning right now. Usually this episode is recorded and edited and set to be released around 4 a.m. on Sunday morning. But when I was getting the episode ready for today, my first episode that I was working with, there was an issue with the sound and syncing up the episode because sometimes technology. So I said, all right, I'm going to put that one off and I'm going to do this other one. It's a little bit shorter, but I'm going to do this other episode, so I got everything ready from that episode, and there was another audio problem that I'll be able to fix, but it's going to take a little bit of time. So I said, all right, I'm not going to release that episode. I'm going to release this episode. It was already a little late, and I just figured I'd wake up early. We'll do it in the morning. So now here we are, Sunday morning. You can tell I have my extra radio DJ voices in the house so thanks for tuning in to Slow Jams my name is Joe and this is W98.5 <laughs> anyway but now as I sit here and I record I'm literally I'm listening to my voice and I'm like oh is this going to be a problem and it's not going to be a problem because that's just the way my voice is this morning and we're going to record this episode and I think this is actually pur- purpose perfect I can look at all of these little snafus that came up in getting this episode ready for everybody. And I could have gotten down on myself and be like, oh man, here are two hours worth of content that I now really have to dive into to edit. Or I can say, way to be prepared, Joe. Way to have other interviews that you can share out so you're not in a pickle. So here we are. And this is perfect because today's episode is now with my good friend, Barry Eichner. Barry Eichner and I go way back into the beautiful city of Philadelphia. Barry actually shares a story of our our origin story, how we met one Christmas holiday season in, I think it was Christmas Village. We ran into each other and we had been following each other on our social platforms. But, you know, sometimes you're following people, you just bump into them. It's like, oh, my goodness. Anyway, that oh, my goodness happened. And Barry and I became really good friends. We talk about that in this episode. This episode is so inspiring. And it's one of those conversations where Barry and I haven't talked in a little bit. He moved to Florida. I moved back to the Pocono Mountains. So, you know, sometimes life happens and there's a little little separation. So we haven't had, you know, a, a really fun, long conversation 
in a little bit. So this is two old friends catching up and then the conversation turning into this beautiful space of inspiration as Barry shares, you know, the work that we have to do when we're creating the things that we want to create. And sometimes it may look as if we're working for free or not getting paid actual money, but the return on the investment, the return of the work that we're putting in actually is laying a foundation for the things that we're creating. So let me tell you a little bit about Barry. Barry Eichner is the co-founder of Lip Gloss and Aftershave, a website and mobile app offering a product and device reviews, as well as dynamic skincare and wellness education. Barry is the chief content officer for Lip Gloss and Aftershave. Barry started his professional life working in the retail industry. In 1999, he moved into the wholesale skincare industry and eventually became the vice president of a chain of four wellness and medical spas. In 2011, Barry decided to strike out on his own and began a digital media and consulting business that instantly blossomed. He met his current partner with lip gloss and aftershave, Jenny Nagel, on assignment at a national skincare brand. The duo decided to create lip gloss and aftershave in 2017 after realizing there was no review platform in the professional skincare industry. I remember, and Barry and I talked about this, when him and Jenny decided to go on their own and create this amazing platform. I highly recommend you all checking out Lip Gloss and Aftershave. Now, not only is Barry the co-founder of Lip Gloss and Aftershave, Barry is also a speaker and has hosted many skincare events. I had the pleasure of going to the skin games with Barry and Jenny and documenting not only the skin games, but documenting their process and what they were doing. It was a beautiful behind the scene look at seeing them work in this live environment. Barry and I also talk about a wonderful video that we created for the skin games event. My intention with this episode is that on Wednesday when I send out my newsletter, in the newsletter I'm going to include a bunch of photographs and links to the things that Barry and I have created over the years because we've really created a lot of fun content. So Barry is also a speaker and a host and I knew that, that Barry was good at what he did. He Barry's a brilliant photographer. I will share some of some links to Barry's work as well. But I really didn't know the level of Barry in the skincare industry. So when I was invited to go to the skin games, it was my first experience of seeing Barry outside of a photo shoot or a video shoot and seeing him on the stage. And let me tell you something, my friends, Barry is an excellent MC. So entertaining, so much talent. But it wasn't only that. It was that as soon as we walked in to the conference center and the people saw Barry, that's when the excitement began. And there's something when you see your friends succeeding and growing and being in that moment, being able to photograph Barry and create videos of Barry in this environment was really a special thing and I'm, I'm forever grateful that I was able to capture and experience that and I remember thinking wow Barry is Barry is the shit in the skincare industry anyway it's a really neat experience when you discover how even more amazing your friends are so in this conversation we share old stories of creative projects that we worked on Barry also talks about putting in the work putting in your time and there are some times in this creative space that we do some work for free and for everybody that's out there coming from the photographer that's in me sometimes we do work for free the key is to keep it sometimes and to only do the work for free that is actually giving you a return on your investment in your time and in the things that you do so enjoy this episode and I know this was a long drawn out 
intro, but if you want to practice live and in person with me, you can. I'm going to keep this short and sweet. March 5th, I will be at Boundless Yoga in East Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania. I'm sorry, in Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania, right there, right around the corner. You can register on the Boundless Yoga website. And on March 11th, I'll be in South Philadelphia from 2.30 to 4.30 teaching a Kundalini energetic yoga class. I invite you to come join me at either one of these events. They're open for the public. Come hang out. I'd love to sell out both of them. So this is your challenge. I'm challenging you. Come do some yoga with me. Now kick back and enjoy this episode with Barry Eichner. All right. What's good, everybody? I'm Joe. This is your Daily Shot of Inspiration weekend interview series, and I am so excited for today's episode. I'm talking with my good friend Barry Eichner, and a couple of things Barry and I haven't talked for a little bit, and we, we're boys, and we haven't talked for a little bit. So this is going to be a great um, episode and just a great catch-up. So thank you for being here, Barry. How, how are you doing today? I'm actually really good, and like I think I want to start off by letting everyone know that um, I am a Joe Longo fan, and I started out. I am like one of the OG Joe Longo fans, and I will never forget it as long as I live. It was Christmas time in Center City, <laughs> Philadelphia, and I was walking with coffee. Uh, right around the the city hall area, and I looked over and I was like, "You're Joe Longo," and he was like, "Yeah, nice to meet." You. I am, and I'm like, "I'm Barry Eichner." Like, I think you're amazing. You're an incredible photographer, and we just sort of like got became, in touch, became friends, <laughs> and I think we bonded over our central Pennsylvania roots initially. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Because right now you're in like the Hazelton area. Yeah, Freeland, the borough of Freeland, Pennsylvania. And I, but it's right I, next gradu- to Freeland. I graduated from Shemokin High School, which, which is, is right down the, the road. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then, like, we just became friends through photography because mm-hmm. you're an incredible photographer. Um, and then we started working together and became like buds. Like we totally got each other. We were in the same mindset around so many things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really um, a lot of fun when we were both living in, in Philadelphia and uh, working on just random projects. Uh, <laughs> and I love it when when the show takes this this course where we just start talking. But I instantly think of those dog beds that we photographed. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was hysterical. I and then like the, the that was. Absolutely insane because they didn't bring a dog trainer. They just got like random dogs who we were like, wait, your dog's not trained to sit on a command? They're like, no, he's just a beautiful dog. So the fact that we were able to get any pictures at all with, and these weren't just like (laughs) dogs. These were like farm animal sized dogs. Right. For big dog beds, like giant dogs. All of them are giant. So, like, imagine like a two hundred pound dog doing whatever it wants on a photo shoot set, and we're trying to corral that. It was a great time. That was, that was my, my favorite shoot that we did together was your ironworks. Oh, that was really, really, really fun. They closed the ironworks. Very sad. Yeah, that was. It was a cool space, but that was a great shoot. Um. But yeah, we did a lot of fun stuff together. The video that you recorded of me and Jenny for one of our clients. Yeah, that was that was so much fun. So wait, let, let... we didn't even get to the part where you flew to California with me. We're, well, right, we're just at the beginning. We're only like <laughs> seven minutes in. Not even. We're four minutes in. <laughs> so yeah, let's let's oh actually, um, Barry, if you can. So Barry is co-founder of Lip Gloss and Aftershave. Can you tell us a little bit about, let's start there with lip gloss and aftershave, what it is. And then I'd love to talk about you starting it. Cause I literally remember you calling and saying, Jenny and I are going to do this. Could you come take pictures of us at hotel? Stay local. Stay. Yes. Right. Oh my God. L-O-K-A-L in old yeah. city. So 
Okay, so my business partner's name is Jenny Nagel, and um, <clears throat> we had been, we were both consultants to the professional skincare industry uh, at the time in like 2015-16, and we met on one of our uh, mutual accounts, and we started, we really vibed with each other's way of thinking, and we worked really well together, and um we started helping each other on each other's different individual projects. And at some point we were like, wait, majority of our work is combined. Like, why don't we just combine forces and create this presence where we can do it together? And so we, we were like, yes, let's do that. And simultaneously to that, we, um, decided to launch lip gloss and aftershave um basically because i'm a pain in the ass that that's essentially why we decided to launch lip gloss and aftershave and i fully i fully accept that a uh, lip gloss and aftershave initially was designed to be a platform uh it was designed to be a multi-platform uh concept where there was a website an instagram feed uh and a facebook page where we were going to talk about products in the beauty industry from literally lip gloss to aftershave. We wanted something that was typically male, typically female. Um, and uh, we thought that we would have, you know, hair, makeup, cologne, fragrance, all the beauty. Mm -hmm. And we sort of honed it down to professional skincare, beauty, and wellness. Um, and it's morphed into a, like a, a four platform sort of collection. There's a website, there's a mobile app, there's an Instagram feed, and then there's now TikTok. We've sort of given up on Facebook and yeah. our focus is news reviews and education in the professional skincare space. Uh, anything that you would be able to, any service that you would be able to get in a day spa um, a beauty salon or a medical spa or a medical facility, you can come on to Lip Gloss and Aftershave if you're a provider and learn about the latest, the greatest, the newest, new techniques. And um, we have now grown to an international uh, like following. We just went to Paris um, and worked with distributors from That's so exciting. 10 countries. Um, when we're going to Barbados, we're going to Trinidad, potentially, uh, there's a, a, a trip to Dubai happening. So our readership is now global. And, you there's know, more. I have to say, like, I was, I wasn't, I wasn't thinking that we would be able to have such acceptance in non, non-English speaking countries. But I the thing money. that I realized is that the U.S. is probably one of the only countries in the world where most of its citizens are not bilingual. And we ran into so many people that read or understand English. So that made that gave us confidence that we would be able to perform really well on the world stage. That's so exciting. Um, it's, it's ridiculous. Like, and it's one of the things that I talk a lot about with my clients, with the people that I work with is find people that are succeeding and watch them succeed. And it creates it within our brain, the realization that I can do it too. And from literally that call, when you said, come to this hotel, take some photos of us, we're doing something right. I think at that time, I don't even know if you know, really, if you all knew what you were creating, but you just kept going and it kept evolving. And it's like, as you evolved, which was great, because at that time in my career, I was like, I hate photography. I don't want to take anybody's picture anymore. It all sucks. But every once in a while, you would reach out and be like, can you help with this project? Can you help us do that? Which really kind of kept me afloat as well when I was hating what I was doing. And I, I had this opportunity to watch you and Jenny grow, but also like go on some really fun adventures with you guys. So I'm like, what the hell is happening? Where am I? 
Um, you were in San Ramon, California. <laughs> right? San Ramon, California at the Skin Games. And thinking like, what? What is this? Where am I? What is what going is on? Happening? Yeah, what is happening? And it was such a beautiful experience from... So for everybody listening, there's the Skin Games. And this is like the oscars of the skincare world it's it's the oscars of the professional skincare industry it's happening this coming uh it's happening this month in atlanta yes. uh-huh. yeah yeah uh-huh. so barry and jenny invite me to work on this short film for them because you were hosting right you were the MC. i was i was of, the MC of, of the event so i go to barry's old house apartment uh, which was beautiful in this loft building and there's hair and makeup and all of this stuff and we create i'm gonna have to do a blog post with this so everyone can see everything that we created and we created this video that was so awesome inspired by madonna's vogue right yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. and i'm it, just like there i don't really don't know what i'm doing barry says come help i'm like all right i'm there i'm gonna just show up not really understanding what we were creating it for and it's like, oh, I'm. It's going to be the entrance when I'm when I come out to MC. And I'm like, oh wow, this isn't just like some little YouTube video we're making now. This is something. It was on two level. massive jumbotrons in this huge auditorium, like banquet room. So much fun. <laughs> it was like the model was. So we did like Madonna, like Madonna did a. Um, uh, she was she had in the MTV Video Awards. She did a Victorian themed uh, performance of the song Vogue, and it, every gay man who's thirty five or probably forty five or older knows that they have it. Like they they knew exactly what they were doing, what they were wearing the day that aired. It was incredible, That's and right. um, we sort of I got my friend Eli, who is now the lead fashion designer brand in california really style yes he's amazing <laughs> awesome. he likes up the world on fire he moved to san francisco it's called doll's kill like you can uh. google doll's kill he's the lead designer for doll's kill and um he was in between jobs <laughs> in fact he was in between he left a job that he was miserably unhappy in he decided that like being destitute and poor was better than working at the company that he was working at was he on. left that job and was in the hallway, like they say, when one door closes, another door opens. But that time in the hallway, that kind of like freaks you out. That's he was sitting in the hallway, and he's like, "Let's go out." And so he hung out, and he he um styled that entire shoot, like styled it. I was like, "I want to do Victorian Vogue, but like not like in costume. I want it to look more couture, like update it." And he killed it. And then we had a makeup artist come, and he killed it. That's and right. he did the hair. And Joe was doing video and I was shooting stills and we put this together and like the model started. It was like we 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 built told the story of prepping to the final end of hair and makeup. So we took still shots of the model, like applying skincare, uh, then applying a little bit of makeup, and then we showed the final product. And I'm not gonna lie to you, like the crowd went a little wild at this yes. video. They loved it. It really did. Like Joe, you did an amazing job, amazing job. Of well, thank you. It. We all so did an amazing yeah. job, and that's the thing. You know, with all of these creative projects, it's like when you actually get to collaborate with other creatives that are amazing in their field, you create amazing stuff, and. That's some of the hard things too when you're just creating alone. It's like, oh man, this is this could be so much better if I had literally a team of people. And like, at, yeah. And I and think that, the thing that, like, you know, with you and me and Eli and because Je- Jenny was there too. You have a you have a group of people who are now like doing. Like you were sort of in flux. Eli was heavily in flux, and we were like. Maybe this will work. Like that's literally, it. that's how we started. Maybe this will work. Um, but we have. I I swear that some people have the ability to like flip a switch in their brain and just do it, and, and just like just do it. And you know, I have this one theory, this one saying I heard. Um, yeah, I can't even remember how long ago. This woman <laughs> said, "Do it afraid." 
She said, if you think that you're going to wait for the moment where you're not afraid to do something new or something out of the ordinary or something special, you're never going to do it. She said, every single person who's done something extraordinary was nervous or scared while they were first stepping foot to do it. And if you can do it afraid, you're going to get past that. And like, I don't know, like, I think, like, I know, I'll speak for my friend. I'm going to talk about Eli because, like, it's amazing what he did. Uh-huh. Like, here's a young man who literally quit his job. He's like, I know there's something better. There has to be something better than this. I, I can't be, I can't be trapped like this. Uh-huh. And he, what he started to do was sketch. He just went back to doing what he loved when he was out and he sketched. Uh-huh. And then he worked with me and he sketched for me. And then that came along and now he's thriving. Um, and I, I think that some people just get trapped by that fear. And they, they, they don't, they just take the easier, softer, safer way and they stay, they stay stagnant. Yeah. But it's so that when we can face that fear and actually say, this is, this is the direction I'm going, this is what I'm doing and keep going, knowing that it might evolve, right? Like where you and Jenny are now, it's not where you thought you were or what you were creating when you started creating it. Yeah. And now it's morphed into this and watching you all grow in the way that you grow and watching the content that you create and literally like I giggle, I laugh watching it because some of it's silly. And then there's some that it's just so on point and educational. And I'm like, look at like, they're just talking about what they love and having fun doing it, which is so beautiful to watch. And then be like, Hey, we're going to Paris and the seas. Yeah, that was Paris. Right? Like, it's, ah, that joy that I get to experience seeing is like, yeah, yeah, we all can do this if we do it. Well, the thing about doing it is um, the thing that I've seen in people who I've seen a lot of entrepreneurs and I've seen a lot of people who uh, create businesses. And there is a there is a very, very, very subtle thing that that I call out whenever I hear someone new talking about um, having a business or doing something or a project. There is there is the statement. I started a marketing company and we started a beauty uh platform that educates and this is what we're doing there's a difference between that statement and i really like i really want to like um start a marketing company and i really want to like have this uh platform where we can talk about products because what i just said was a hope it was an idea when i say i started a marketing company that's a fact that is fact that is real i just made it real like the thing for me that was the when i realized that difference was um i was a marketing consultant long before i became a photographer i'd always have a, had a love of photography i had a i had my i had uh cameras all growing up uh-huh. like i loved taking pictures i just did and I went to a photo shoot uh, in New York in the early teens, the 2000 teens, um, like 12 or 13, I can't really remember. And um, I was on the set of Mike Ruiz's uh, photo shoot for his, uh, he had a photo app. Um, mm-hmm. He was doing a shoot for it. And it just started a fire in me. And like I bought a camera and I was real tentative and I didn't tell anybody, I didn't say anything. I bought a camera and I was just playing. And then I took a couple of classes and I started to figure out how to like, when I was able to get the picture that was in my head in the Lightroom after I took it, uh-huh. it was at that it was that moment that I was like, I really think I could be a photographer. And I remember the day specifically when I said, I am a photographer. Uh-huh. And it just took a different thing. So it it's almost like, you have to emotionally and mentally 
commit to the concept uh-huh. and you know how they say dress for the job you want yeah you have to talk the job you want you have to you have to you have to establish the role that you want you have to be in it you have to be it you have to live in it uh-huh. you have to own it because at that point once you own it you're responsible for it right you, you need to take care of it uh-huh. and once you own it and you have to take care of it then you then your every day starts to become how you maintain it and what you do for it and i've seen like i i've I, i've seen people who like start a business and then they abdicate responsibility or they don't understand the responsibility of making it get to the next level they say things like they accept the challenge that is put in front of them as an obstacle and then pause or stop. And the harsh truth of having a dream and having a, a, a goal that you want to achieve is that you as the individual need to see the obstacle, assess the situation, and figure out how to get the job done either by eliminating the obstacle, overcoming it, or sidestepping it. But you can't wait for somebody to solve that problem for you. Those people aren't those people aren't there. They're not uh-huh. there. You have to find the way to do it. And that usually comes back to your 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 motivation. Like for me, um I was 42 years old when I started my business. And I, I was that, working. Hear that, doing, everybody? <laughs> right? Like I was, I was living in a, it was living in a, a very nice lifestyle for myself. I was making a decent living, and I had a very nice car that was very expensive, and I had a very nice apartment. And I grew up with a work ethic that you, that you worked hard, you paid your bills, and you took care of yourself, and that was your responsibility. That was what was instilled in me. And so I needed to take care of myself. I needed to be self-sufficient. I needed to be self-sustaining. So that was my motivation to get up and get the job done so that I could meet my responsibilities. And at first I faltered. I was paralyzed by fear in the very beginning. And I had two friends, also entrepreneurs, also entrepreneurs who came to my house and said, get up. What's your action plan? And they helped me create an action plan. And once I had that, I could, I, I, I never faltered again. So the, the thing that I, I have realized in doing this is that the people that I surround, like Oprah said it, it all comes back to Oprah really, usually like (laughs) she said it, you are responsible for the people you surround yourself with. Uh-huh. So if you are going to want to be a, a an outside-of-the-box thinker who learns how to solve problems and who learns how to create new solutions and lear- learns how to pave new ways and do new things, you, you can't do that when you surround yourself with people who think with limitations. Uh-huh. And I learned that the hard way because one of the, I one of the thing I worked for a woman for ten years who had an MBA from Wharton, and the one thing that I learned from her is to not put constraints on your um your uh, uh oh what was it um brainstorming uh-huh. when you're brainstorming you never put constraints on it. Because if you take a constraint that you have in your mind that is present in this moment, it may not apply or have the same magnitude as when you put it onto a future portion of the the idea. And so that's why in business, the number one thing that you always focus on is that cost-benefit analysis. Because Mm. you could hear the idea that it's going to cost $15,000 to achieve this goal. But when you put it into the cost-benefit analysis and you look down the road, you realize, oh, that's 
that's nothing. That's, that's not. nothing. And so it's, 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 it's there's this, you, you just can't think in, in a way that's provided to you. You, you have to think in a way that's your own and outside of the box and without limitations and just don't be afraid to like think big because like we we worked we worked mm-hmm. and it just keeps happening it just right. keeps getting bigger and i i have to remind everybody i just want to share with everybody barry is a pisces I'm a Pisces. We're big dreamers. And I think that helps, right? Because we can say, no, I want, I might not know how big I want it to go, but I know I want it to get bigger. I know I want it to grow. And I love how you were saying that this came up uh, a couple of weeks ago in one of my groups that I run, the idea of embodying what it is that we are. And I think that's exactly what that's you said. What I just we said. Need, yes. Yeah. We need to embody it. You have to be, right? And it's so interesting because I've, I mean, you've known me for a long time, right? It was like, oh, I'm a photographer and I teach some yoga and I do this and I do that. And it was always this. I do a little bit of this and I do a little bit of that, but this, a little bit of that. And it was always just a little bit of this and a little bit of that. But as soon as I actually said, this is what I do and really started owning it. And I feel I totally just started owning it for real this December everything changed. Everything changed like overnight. As soon as I said, oh, no, this is what I do. And, and I, I create this conscious content and I might not know what that means, but it's what I do. And I coach people and I help people do this. And as soon as I started owning it and embodying it, like literally walking around, like this is my job and it's adding value to the world. Everything shifted because I actually started owning it. And you know, you know that thing that's amazing is I, I want to talk a little bit about my business partner who is absolutely spectacular and amazing. Mm-hmm. And when yes, I met Jenny, <laughs> like when I first met Jen, um, she was you know she was a new mom, mm-hmm. and she was in a she had just had a baby. She was working part time. Um, she had just moved from Philly down to where they currently live in New Jersey. She was in a new environment. And she had a lot of new in her world. And to her credit, like, she was like, okay, you're nuts. Okay, let's do this. Right? <laughs> like, she had a new baby. And she was like, sure, let's do this. Let's throw everything up in the air. And she she was an esthetician and became that's somebody who does facial treatments and waxing and brows and lashes and all that amazing things. Uh-huh. And she she was a manager of a medical spa. She was a manager of a resort spa. She worked in resort spas. And then she became a consultant to brands like I was. And the one thing that I had in my arsenal that she didn't have was the experience of working with someone who was like, who was just sort of like, I'm not really interested in hearing anybody's limitations. Like, I know that I can get this done. I'm going to find a way to do it. And I when I started working with the, the woman that had that mindset, I was constantly like, you're insane. How, 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 how? And it was just, there was never, there was, she just embodied it. She just did. And so when I, st- I saw Jen start to see the light of how like, wow, like this is really something like we're really something like, people respect us. okay now like when we first started like jen was petrified to talk in front of a camera uh-huh. she was petrified to like have to be in front of a group of people now and i used to go present and she's we'd be presenting in front of 150 200 people at a trade show and she'd stand behind the computer and press the, the advanced arrow key and like say nothing and i would talk <laughs> now it's like She's like, I'm getting into my own lavalier because I have, like, I don't, I, she could run the show and I didn't have to be there because she now embodies the whole idea of what we do. And she has adopted it as we have this amazing platform. Um, it, seeing her, and growth. that's easy once it's there. Yeah, isn't she amazing? She's coming out of her shell. She used to be, 
Like when I met her, she was wearing like culottes and like these little like head sneakers. Now she's wearing like leather dresses and heels. And I was like, okay. <laughs> but even, you know, from that first photo shoot, you know, there was that uncomfortable, like, I, 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 I don't feel that comfortable in front of the camera. And now I, I go to you, you TikTok, like, she is killing it. Killing it. Right? I mean, she's absolutely spectacular. Absolutely spectacular. Like, we have a, we have one TikTok that went viral has five million views. Mm-hmm. And I that... said to her one day, I'm like, what does it feel like knowing that 5 million people know what you look like? Uh-huh. And she looked at me and she was like, oh my God. Um, okay. I was like, I'm just curious what it, what it feels like because uh-huh. 5 million people know what you look like. And like you helped, she took that brand that she did that TikTok for, sold $35,000 of the product in 12 hours. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. The owner of the company called her crying. So, like, I think when you realize that, like, that's the power that you can have, once you see how your success is impacting other people's success, uh-huh. yeah, that, that that stokes the fire. Right, because we're helping, we're uplifting everybody. And it is, it's that realization of, well, I have a voice and my voice matters. Like it, I'm helping people. And that realization when you actually, you step into that, right? That, that embodiment, embodiment of being the authority in what it is that you do, we kind of can let our, our shoulders drop back and down and be like, right, this is what I do. This is why I'm here to talk about this stuff. And well, the other thing that I think is really interesting is that I think entrepreneurs have to have a high level of two completely opposite personality functions. Uh-huh. They have to have a high level of humility because they have to always be open to hearing a, the hearing the 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 the, the, the hurdles. Uh huh. They have to hear it. You can't ignore hurdles. You can't ignore them. You have to fully listen to them. You have to fully listen to them. They can't scare you. That's uh they that's where the other part of it comes in. You have to be arrogant as AF. That's uh you have to be ar- as super arrogant because you have to listen to the hurdle and be like, okay, whatever. I think XYZ. That's uh and then get through it. So right. you have to like you have to be open to hearing the constraint. Like I work with a we work with a web developer. and the one thing that I never do when we hire a specialist is manage them. Uh I don't manage them. I don't force them. I say, this is what we'd like to do. This is what we want this to be able to do. How do we do it? Uh And then they say, well... Like, what are, what are you willing to do? What are you willing to spend? They ask questions and I say, give me an idea. Like, let me understand the situation that I know what I'm working with and then we can figure something out. Because at one point I was working with our web developer and he came to us and he was like, we have a big problem. And I was like, okay. And he explained the problem and I'm like, um, I don't see the problem. He's like, well, you're going to have to do this job that's going to require um, a certain number of hours of editing work that we don't have budgeted. I'm like, and it absolutely needs to get done. He was like, yeah. Okay, I'm not seeing the problem. He's like, you're going to have to pay for it. I'm like, that's not a problem. That's all. I'm like, that's just the byproduct of what we want to get done. This is going to make, this whole project is going to exponentially improve our business. A smaller additional cost is nothing to us at this point. And he was going to give us a certain, he was going to place a certain value on the work through his company. And I said, well, let me see if I can get it done a little cheaper. So I looked for an alternative and found it at a, a lower price and got the work done that way. So I let experts run the show and then bring us any kind of like decision that needs to happen. 
And I give them, he, he was like, what do you think we should do for design? And I said, I don't know, you tell me. Right. I'm like, I don't care what the website looks like on a, on a desktop. I only care what it looks like on phones. That's all I care about. Uh-huh. I want it to, I, all I want is for this website to function seamlessly and fluidly for the end user on a phone. That's all I care about. Other than that, show me what you got. Create it. Have fun with it. Make it beautiful. And like, I showed him, I was I was creating a logo. He was like, I don't like that logo at all. And I was like, okay, humility kicked in. Tell uh-huh. me why you don't like it. And he explained himself. Arrogance then took over and was like, I completely agree with you. Like, I, I, like, I, I could have said, I don't want to hear what you had to say, but like, I, ca- I looked at him and I was like, I was, I was, I wasn't really arrogant. It was, it's not arrogant. It was confidence. It was, I agree with you. I hear what you're saying. And we will make the changes that we need to make because you made, you gave me more information than I had. And so he helped us really hone in our logo. Um, But I wouldn't have heard that if I, and I've had where I've given advice to people and they didn't want to hear it. And so I was humble enough to be like, tell me why. And I, I, I love, I love working with people who are smarter than me because I benefit from that. And I don't benefit from it unless I listen to them. Right, right. Yeah, it's so important and super hard though as well to say, well, tell me what's, you know, teach me. But I I felt the same way from my old, you know, corporate past life. Everybody I always hired, I made sure they were smarter than me. That's why I was so good because I made sure everyone that I was bringing in was so much smarter than I was. Like, that's how you lead. You bring in the people to do the work. That's what a great 100%. leader does, you know? Yeah. And then you do what your strengths are. Accentuate the strengths. Delegate all of those other things. But it gets hard to and, actually start releasing control as well. And if you give smart people latitude, I think the results are exponentially better. Uh-huh. I truly believe that. Yeah. Because they feel like they have an ownership stake in what's coming out of it. And they can they can take pride in the result of their work. And nine times out of ten, people who are super super smart, they they in, they love that portion of the uh, of the process because usually people who are super smart will um, will make sure that their needs are met in the relationship up front. So there's not a resentful situation of like how much things are going to cost, how much they're getting paid, how much time they're putting in. Uh-huh. So. You're on equal footing, and and I really do love to have equal footing in all of our relationships with vendors and with people that we work with, uh-huh. because I like to make sure that people are taken care of, that people have a fair a fair investment, that people have what they need, because if they're not getting what they need, you're not going to have longevity in a relationship, and I think that I think that turnover is is not i think that turnover is is an expense that you can mitigate and once that once it happens the the unforeseen expenses can just start to they can start to they can start to skyrocket and the ones that you don't even know are how that how you're losing money on Uh and so we work really hard to make sure that the people that we work with are smart they take care of we listen to them we take feedback um and it works really well. Right. Really well. Really well. Um, when you both started this, um, how did you get over the, and maybe you're still working on it, but I feel so many of us do experience it, the imposter syndrome and actually really starting to embody and be like, this is what I do. But what were some, some, some little practices that you had well, to actually start to, believing in to... yourself? We needed a little rubber to hit the road first, and that's uh-huh. always gonna that that's always gonna be real. Um, it was a couple of years, and for for me, it was when brands that we are helping to expand their digital footprint uh-huh. told us that their business was growing 
because of our efforts on their behalf. And we, you know, it takes a while. So that imposter syndrome, um, it's so real and it can, it can really, it can be the single most popular reason that I think people quit because until they can fully like, until they can stop faking it, until they make it, uh-huh. <laughs> they have to keep that, they have to have that arrogance. They have to have that continued level of, no, I'm going to make this work. No, I'm going to make this work. No, I'm going to make this work. Um, but I think that one, I, one of the things that I think helps me over the imposter syndrome and it's a really weird way, I think, anyway, to get over it. But <clears throat> some people try to get over the imposter syndrome by placing demands on the people that they interact with. And they demand to be respected. And they demand to be taken seriously. And they demand to be treated in a certain way um, from the door. And the thing that, the thing that you have to do, you have to be willing to do this. And if you're not, I'm cautiously saying you're probably going to fail, but if you're not willing to pay your dues, you're not going to be able to succeed because what I did to pay my dues was I worked with an organization who had events throughout the United States. And I traveled with that organization for two years. And because I traveled with that organization for two years, I was able to meet hundreds, if not thousands of people and expand my audience. However, in order to get that gig, I had to... I was living in Philadelphia. I had to fly a thousand miles, pay for a hotel, pay for my meals and my transportation, and work all day for free. And then I showed the owner of that organization what I can do. Arrogance. Humility to pay for it. Arrogance to show what I can do. And... After that, she was like, this is amazing. We need to work together. But I was humble enough to do it because uh-huh. I wanted to do, I wanted to be a part of it. I wanted to advance myself and I knew I wanted to work with her. And I was like, I'll show you what I can do. And I did. Had I been arrogant enough to be like, unless you pay me, I'm not showing up. I would have lost that opportunity. Uh-huh. The other thing that really catapulted my business was when I paid my dues. I worked for a... um I worked for a hair salon in Southern New Jersey. If you're in Southern New Jersey, it's Verde Hair Salon in Haddonfield, New Jersey. Shout out to Kevin Gatto. Hey, Kevin. <laughs> um, and Kevin was blog writing for a platform in New York City called Spa Booker. It was called Booker. And they book, it was a booking software for hair salons, spas, medical spas, yada, yada. Uh-huh. And I reached, I said, Kevin, I really love this company. Do you, would it be okay with you? Because he was writing about hair. Uh-huh. I said, would it be okay with you if I reached out to this company and asked them if I could write blog articles about spa? He was like, knock yourself out. I love it. Uh-huh. So I reached out to them. And they invited me to write blog articles. I did not receive pay. Uh-huh. The team at Booker liked my personality when I was interacting with them. And they needed someone to come to New York and go on camera at the New York spa show. And they were like, we think you'd be perfect. I said yes instantly. I didn't ask how much I was getting paid. I didn't ask if my hotel was paying for it. I didn't ask if my child, nothing. I said yes instantly. I showed up and they put me in front of a camera with a crew. Not just, Joe, like you would have died. I had like a producer, the PR company of there was figuring out how to best position each segment. 
Uh-huh. We had a lighting guy. We had a camera guy. It was me. Like there was this hubbub happening at the spa show, and it made me look like I was someone That's when someone. I was absolutely no one. And people got to there. Like, Who are you? And I was like, my name is Barry. I'm a consultant. And I picked up a bunch of consulting clients at that event, one of whom introduced me to five or ten other people who I then signed as consultants. And it all spiraled out of me being humble enough to do things that I thought would help me grow my business. And I never asked for a dime from anyone. Uh So people have to be willing to pay their dues in ways that they... Yeah, is somebody getting is somebody getting something for free out of you? Absolutely. Are they taking a shot on a nobody? Absolutely. Uh-huh. So, you know what I mean? Like, you, I paid my dues, and it was after I paid my dues and got a little, I got some, like, got my legs. I was like, I got this. I'm good. Uh-huh. And I think that even in the spot industry, I see people coming out of like uh, schools and they're going into these positions in spas. And they're expecting to walk in and not have to do anything to get business. And it's 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 the one that I saw people who were humble and will come in on a Tuesday for an 1130 eyebrow wax, which takes about four minutes to do um, and spend the whole day in the spa waiting for maybe a walk in or a call in or a last minute. Um, I saw those people end up making one hundred and twenty five to one hundred and thirty thousand dollars after they worked really hard versus the people who quit after a month because they weren't fully booked in a time that they thought they were getting. And so that imposter syndrome, I think you can, I think you can eliminate the imposter syndrome by paying your dues and doing things and partnering and connecting with other people and working towards your goal. It's like investing. It's like R and D is I would like, you know, like when, when when they make a when they launch a new like like a new drug, like they spend four hundred million dollars making the the drug, and then they have to recoup all of their R and D in the sales. So you recoup all of your R and D in year five through ten when you're able to earn money that you have because you have the reputation. Yeah. That makes sense. Totally. I mean, it 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 it's a lot of work, right? And consistency, consistency is key with, with, I think everything that we're doing, I see it from this podcast, right? I started, there was a big zero following and listening, right? But I kept doing it and kept putting it out and kept showing up and kept showing up and kept showing up. And now there's people that are listening, right? Every day I get my little chartable. I'm like, oh, we're, we're in the top hundred this week. We're almost in the top 50 this week, but it's because I keep showing up, but I have to keep showing up. Or nobody's going to listen, right? If I just stop putting out content, no one's going to listen. And guess what? For everyone that is listening and you're hearing those Home Depot ads, I think this month the podcast made a whopping $60. You know what I mean? So it's still in this space where it's not this thing, but it is a thing. And I'm owning it. And the more I own it and invest more in it and more time and have more conversations with inspiring people, more people show up. But I got to keep showing up. So for all of you out there, yeah. keep showing up, right? Like keep, keep showing up. You never know. You might end up in Paris talking about what you love. Being like, holy shit. And, and the, uh, <laughs> the, so the Paris trip, just so that we can take it right back uh-huh. to what I just said. This is how the Paris trip came to be. I was at a trade show with a company that I was consulting. And I said to one of the girls that worked there, I need a really good like glycolic cleanser. They were like, oh, go talk to Mad Skincare. It's amazing. It's like, okay. So I went and talked to Mad Skincare and I said, hey, I'm a consultant. The girl over here said that you've got this amazing one. He handed me one. He said, I said, how much do I have? He said, take it. Let me know if you like it. I loved it, right? And then when I was in New York, being filmed by that company I was sitting having coffee in between takes and one of the women there said what are you doing and I said oh and I explained to her she's like 
you write blog articles and do social. I was like, yeah, I want, I want you to talk to the owner of our company. So I talked to the owner of our, her company. They hired me. And then when I was working for them, they suggested me to another company. That other company was a distributor. That distributor carried mad skincare. They both hired me to work with them and that built the relationship with mad skincare. And so I've known him for years. He's seen me through this whole career and August in San Jose, he was like, I have training that's coming up in Paris. He's like, you guys think you might want to cover that? And I was like, mm, I'm thinking maybe. <laughs> and that's how it all came out. So uh-huh, like, man. these seeds that you plant in paying your dues, you never know how they're going to pay off. You just right. don't. You yeah, just don't. That is, that is so, so beautiful. Barry, I can talk to you forever as I, as I look at the clock I'm like wow this was this was an hour already um so much good stuff so inspiring I'm sure that everyone that is listening feels inspired as well so whatever it is that you think of doing just start even if it's just writing down the ideas of what if I I did this or created this because what what's the best that can happen you actually succeed and love the hell out of your life doing what you love and, you know, the thing is, is that's exactly how it started for us. Like, I, Jenny, I said, Jenny, we should do this. I said, I'm tired of getting trying to convince other people to do it. We should do this. Uh-huh. And we did it. And I said, let's try it. What do we have to lose? And we tried it. And it worked. Uh-huh. And so just do yep. it. Like, just, I, I, can't, I can't say anything else. Just, just do it. Thank you so much. I will link the TikTok and the Instagram and all of the links for lip gloss and aftershave in the show notes, please go give them a follow. You can, you can thank me later. Barry, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for your inspiration. This was, this, 